Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. And we are back knee-deep <laughs> knee in tech, <laughs> as in way deeper than knee-deep and way, way, way behind the eight ball. Yeah. We've had uh, a vacation. You can call it that. Well, I had a vacation and you had a kid. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, yeah, that that's something that's really was important to state when you talk to especially U.S. citizens, about telling them that you are going on parental leave uh-huh. because everyone believes that you are getting a new child. I'm just taking care of the one I already had. Oh. So I've been away nine weeks with my one-and-a-half-year-old. We know. Yeah. Because the amount of stuff that has been piling up since you were not here <laughs> is exceptional. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you. It's great to be back. Yeah. And one detail that our listeners might not know is that Simon sucks at being um, on vacation or supposedly not working. The last three weeks has been horror to me. Yeah. I've been missing work. He has been missing work. Which says a lot about me. It does. Moving and you on. have forgot to tell our listeners when this podcast is being recorded. I have, or not so much as forgot as completely forgot. It is October. <laughs> no, it is not October <laughs> yet. Is it August? Yes, it yes, is August it is. 22nd. 2018. You know, 2018. Having been away a while make some things that should be pretty easy and pretty straightforward slightly harder. Yep. Bear with us. We're we're going to find our feet again. We we can agree on that. Yes. Right. So, has been there been any news during the summer or has things been Everything has dead, been totally shut down. Shut down, dead quiet, nothing has changed. No. Cool. This is going to be a very short episode. No. We can start by informing our listeners that our regular podcast length is about 30 minutes. Give or take, yeah. We have decided not to go over one hour this time. 60 minutes, yeah. true. So we'll we'll see where we end up. There's been so much going on. Yeah. Just two or three years ago, this period of the year usually were quite quiet. Nothing happened, everyone was on vacation, on holidays, even Microsoft. Then things started to change. Yes. There has been close to zero slowdown. Mm. Microsoft have been keeping up with their releases all summer long. Both when it comes to Windows Insider builds, Windows Server, Devices... Config Manager, Intune, Office 365, Azure Services, Power BI. They are working over summer like everyone, like it's not summer. Yeah, it's it's not been, as you said, it, no slowdown at all. Lots of stuff coming out. And that actually, it prompted a, a discussion on the crew, the crew's Facebook page. Yeah. And what's the crew? Yes, the crew is it's pretty much a user group, I'd say. Started by Michael Bender at Ignite, or was Tech-Ed. it TechEd? TechEd before TechEd turned into Ignite. I think it started out as a, a just a group of people that had no one to go to TechEd with. Yeah. So let's hang out, and <laughs> well, it kind of snowballed from there. How <laughs> many are there? Five thousand. Members? It's, it's a couple of thousand members, yeah. And we're very much looking forward to the, the crew meeting meetup meet. yeah. in Orlando. And I attended the crew meetup in Atlanta yep. two years back. And you were in... I've been on every the crew meet and greet since I started attending TechEd. So right. six years ago. Six years. And it's, it's always it's, great. It's, 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 it's a very good party to start your Ignite with WIG. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's there. Right. And it's a very friendly party. Everyone is talking to each other. Right. And usually the the venues invites you to talk with others. It's usually not as loud. Um, everyone's there. Everyone's happy. It's a good party. 
Yeah, I, I would have to say that the I got the feeling that the focus was on communication yeah. and collaboration with people more than just drink beer and listen to obnoxious music. Yeah. And that is something I, I like. Right, beer. so beer and talk. Yeah. Uh, and it, so the discussion was how do you keep up with the release cadence and how do you keep up with technology these days? Yeah. And I I usually never say anything on Facebook or whatever, but I decided to actually say something and that is I've I've turned 40 and it's just fact of life that I simply cannot keep up in quite the same way as I've been doing for the last 20 years. And just a few years ago, we had one SQL Server release per two or three years. Yeah. When I was working with Oracle, we could easily have four or five years between the major releases. Now we have changes coming out every month. And those are not just cosmetic changes. Nope. Those are serious stuff, yep. especially when we are talking about Azure and, and Power BI, as we're going to come back to. And I'm more and more of the opinion that it is impossible to stay on top of more than one technology. It is just yep. not doable. And that is not necessarily a bad thing. It is just something that you have to accept and, well, work around. Yeah, and I think you, if, if something you should try to improve when it comes to keeping up with new releases is the ability to notice things and remember them for later. You can't possibly deep dive in every single feature that gets released, but you need to be aware about that they have been released. Exactly. And be good at finding them again when you need that particular feature. And that's, ironically, that is an emergent property, an emergent knowledge coming from experience. Yeah. Because when you have experience in one field, you intuitively know what you can ignore and what you really should not forget. Yeah. So in that way, it is easier to keep track of information provided that you actually are plugged into the information flow. Yeah. And that's something, something that I realized over summer when I pretty much did not open uh, Twitter. You're good at having vacation. I, I am the worst at having vacation. <laughs> but this year, for the first time ever, I pretty much shut everything down. It didn't take me four hours nope. after going on vacation and everything was just shut down and it was blissful. Yep. It was amazing. Best choice I've ever done and I'm very happy to be back working again. Well but done. In a decade when I'm your age, I know how to do it. Maybe. And I'm pretty sure that you're going to be burned out by then, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. Where were we? Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and we will do the best we can to get you up to date on what's been released since June. Today. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But what I was, uh, yep. the, the whole point that I was going for in the, um, in the um, crew Facebook page was that maybe you should just ditch the whole idea of, of being able to be a super expert on yep. every, every area. Yep. And what kind of knowledge do you actually need? And yep. you pretty much put, um, put your, your head on the nail there. You don't know exactly which information is going to come in handy when you actually need to work with it. So just having the knowledge of, hmm, I've seen this before. Yeah. This is not a surprise for me. And use that to actually do whatever work you're hired to do. So, And that's something that is very, very hard to do when you're just starting out. Because yeah. you don't know what is important and what is not important. Then again... I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm going to do or I already have done several mistakes with oops I should really have paid attention to that like <clears throat> PowerShell but that's a whole <laughs> other story <laughs> right so what has happened during this summer has there been any config manager releases maybe three or four oh <laughs> I can't oh even dear, remember this is going to be a long one we they released the eighteen oh six release so the a regular release, so a release to current branch. Okay. Um, the main feature I would say of that is CM Pivot. 
CM Pivot. Yes. So that's look, looking at Config Manager. When I when I do Config Manager courses, mm -hmm. one thing that you need to emphasize is that it's the database that holds the truth for your environment. Yep. Not what's at the actual clients. You have no direct interaction with a client in Config Manager. True. Everything goes through the database. Even I know that. Yeah. But CM Pivot changes that because you're now able to run queries targeting the client in real time on a collection base. Really? Yeah. So you can get real-time information querying all your devices from Config Manager and get that reply in real time to take action from that. In because I know that the data in the database might be slightly stale. <laughs> slightly? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how, how stale it is. Yeah, and that, that depends on a number of variables. And right. that's the important thing to remember. How stale that data is, is highly dependent on your collection structure, your hardware inventory, your software inventory, um, client actions. There are so many variables that you need to consider. Right. So having the ability to actually bypass the staleness of the data, yep. is there an implicit update of the database when you do queries as well, or is it something that bypasses the database completely? As I'm aware that bypasses the database. Right. Because there would be a point of, of actually updating the database since I'm actually trying to talk to the client as well. Do you see my point, yeah. my idea there? Could good, be interesting. Good, good question. Right. Uh, I, I think I need to change my reply. There's an update to the database, but only for that particular query. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, sure. so you, that information will be in your database. Right. But you won't be able to use that. Take an example as a collection, a collection update. Mm -hmm. Every collection have some kind of query. Right. Either a, d a direct one for a particular device or a uh, VQL query. Mm -hmm. um, this is not connected to those. So I could run a um, CM Pivot query mm -hmm. towards a number of clients. Mm -hmm. That will return a result. That question can be exactly the same as the collection query. Yeah. But it won't make that collection update any faster. That's a complete separate process okay so you're you you can hold the information in the database but it won't update other parts of the database that you perhaps would like to have updated with that same kind of information would you say that it would be possible to take the result from one of these pivot queries and force an update on the specific fields in your collection data very good question because that would be kind of useful i would say yeah because you've already gone through the steps to contact the client and get the information that you need yep. it would be kind of weird not to use that in yeah we need to take a look at that right. i know that there's been a number of blog posts on it yep um this feature was actually quite fast to go from technical preview to release that's like two months from the first introduction to the actual release of the, the feature. It does kind of sound like someone had a brainwave and decided yep. to implement this on their spare time and yep. it turned out to work just fine. Uh, so that's new. Right. Uh, we have received a number of which uh, I believe we discussed this in a previous episode. So the phased deployments. So the ability yep. to yep. trigger a new deployment based on the success of the previous one. Good stuff. New things added to that. Uh, we also have site server high availability have been improved quite a lot. So you can now have a highly available solution um, that are active passive. So you're able to take down one uh, of your site servers and add the other one. So now both the site systems, SQL and content storage can be highly available. Nice. Is there some part that cannot be highly available? clients yes there are i can't remember from the top of my head which they are they are still one or two features that can't be okay um 
but from a that's more of a support system role. So right. WSUS, for example, oh, okay. that can yeah, be highly yeah, available, yeah. but in another way. True. Um, so that's great. Lots of new things for content management. So remote content library for a site server. Um, Leadbat, which we'll talk about later on with Windows Server. So there's a lot of new features and this update is now globally available since Monday. Prior to Monday, you were forced to run a script to get it, but now it's globally available to everyone. And I saw David James, he tweeted about it that a month after release or something like that, they already have 4 million devices managed by the latest release of Config Manager. Holy so cow. So the update pace for config manager environments is amazing but it's it's super easy to update in many cases the hard thing is to update the config manager clients on the actual endpoints that takes a bit of time because some of them are simply not accessible with any yeah. given ten. Yeah. okay but over time it kind of sorts itself out yeah. so how how hard is it if at all possible to go back in case one update breaks something. I would say that if that happens, which is highly unlikely... Ah, you're going to be... Uh, yeah, you have... Lots of people in the same boat. Yeah. You have so many pre-checks for it. Right. Uh, that you... Of course, it can happen. But at that point, you need to... Uh, you, you can't uninstall it. Okay, fair enough. So you need because it it will change your database. Do you need to? Yeah, that, that was pretty much what I was yeah. expecting. Um, and we also received two new technical previews. One of them is actually really interesting. The latest one, eighteen oh seven, because they introduced something called Community Hub in Config Manager, uh -huh. which currently is quite limited. You have a couple of queries. You have, a couple of, uh, you have configuration items for desired state configuration and you have scripts that in time you will be able to populate with community projects. Was this Nikolai's idea? Not oh. sure. It could be. Right. Uh, so that's basically a way to get community tools included in Config Manager. And there are still a lot of questions to answer for that mm -hmm. but it's 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 interesting to see that they actually are adding it yeah and that you will be able to import ci's and scripts with ease straight into your console straight into your environment without the need of copy and pasting and so on it's very cool yeah but again this also states the need for everyone out there who runs a config manager environment to have a test dev environment to try out scripts, to try out new features. Mm, mm. Because you won't be able to keep up, you won't be able to maintain the quality that you're expecting if you don't have anywhere to test. No, but you know my view on things. Everyone, everyone has a test environment. It's just called production. Well, some have, some are, are happy to, to have a different yeah, production yeah. environment. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, you're able to repair applications, which haven't been possible. That's from user voice. What does repair application mean in this? So if you deploy an application, uh -huh. you usually have two actions, install right. it and uninstall it. Right. But there are reasons for you oh. to want to repair an application. As in reset the yeah, deployment. You, you can have another command line to do the repair, which will maintain data, for example, uh -huh. but fix it. So that's now added in technical preview. Okay. Uh, approve application requests via email, which Ooh, hadn't been possible previously. Nice. Previously, you were forced to have, if you were a manager, yep. you were forced to have a config manager console. Yep, yep, yep. And now you're able to do that via email, which is nice. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Some improvements to scripts and also improvements to third-party software updates, which will be super cool when it's fully implemented. So one tool to update Windows, Office, third-party tools, whatever. And also drivers moving on. Sounds awesome. Yeah. 
So lots of things in Config Manager uh, and more things to come. Yeah. Um, Speaking of changes, I just came back from teaching, uh, it's called 20778B, which is the Analyzing Data with Power BI course. Yep. And it, it's a great course. It's a three-day course that we, uh, in this case, uh, compressed to two days. And it basically takes a newbie. You should have a basic understanding of, of Excel and preferably Windows and pretty much drops them in the very, very deep end of the pool. A stupid question before we continue. Uh -huh. You said a basic knowledge of Windows. Yeah. Is there a difference between Power BI Desktop for Mac? Does it even exist? No, it no. does not. So you have to run Power BI Desktop on a Windows machine? Well, it's it's a very good question because the answer is no, you don't. Because you can run it either with VMware or Parallels, which yeah, is the yeah, Mac yeah, version but of that's the, still but Windows it is a running Windows on top of running, Mac. Yeah, it's it's yep. a Windows only uh, okay, application. Yep. True. And what what you need to know is what is a what is a directory? What's a folder? Uh, where have you put your files? Yeah, and um, stuff like that. So yeah, but basically you get dropped in the very deep end, and after three days you're supposed to be pretty proficient at swimming. This is the same issue with each and every Microsoft course, or I should say each and every technical course out there. They are monolithic. Yeah. One of the things that you and I have done quite a few times in the past is mix and match. Yeah. We take some modules from this course, we take some modules from this course, change the, the timeline, and we add some, our own recipes. Yeah. And that works. And that's the change that the whole Microsoft Learning is is moving to. Yep. From the beginning, this was under NDA, what I'm about to say. But they changed, uh, they, they kind of reversed that decision as they were speaking <laughs> when they realized that, wait a minute, this this needs to be communicated. This needs to come out. So what we're going to see is a change moving from monolithic courses to more modular courses yeah. where I as an MCT can choose exactly which parts to do. And this will probably mean that I can do one day of training, go back home, let people do their thing, do another day of yeah. training, go back home, let people do their thing, do two days of training. And this is a much more viable way of teaching people to actually learn the stuff as opposed to just cram it in, do the certification and go home. Yeah, definitely. Will that affect how Microsoft is designing their labs as well? Because we've been using Learn on Demand systems quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And there, each module of every course is self-contained. Yep. So you can jump in and out of every model, mm -hmm. which hasn't been the case for standard mock delivered by training partners. The information that I had is that yes that's exactly yeah. what they're going to do yeah. modularize everything including the labs yeah because that that's actually challenging for because in every course you have different level of knowledge from the beginning mm -hmm. and when you do a standard mock and a few people are struggling to keep up mm -hmm. they are falling behind and can't get up to pace in any way because they haven't completed the previous labs yep and that could be a challenge. Because what I think we're going to see is dependencies between modules where you can do module two and three, but it is kind of hard to just do module three. Um, as it is now, you generally have a dependency on all your models. Yeah. 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 There, of course, could be some dependencies for logic. For logic, yes. Yeah. So you, you should be doing something first mm -hmm. to understand what you mm -hmm. do next. Mm -hmm. But technically, they do not need to have dependencies between those two stages of the course. No. But there could be recommendations that you should be doing this if you're doing this. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. So it's, it's an exciting change. And uh, I think it's one of the biggest changes that Microsoft Learning has done in recent years. Yep. And they are changing up the certifications again yeah <laughs> yeah 
all of this is going to become public knowledge at Ignite. It is it, it has not been communicated outside of the MCT community yet. These are not secrets, but it has not been communicated outside of the MCT community. So at Ignite, there's going to be a big um, announcement, and this is what you're going to yep. say. So we're, we're very much looking forward to hearing the whole story during the MCT pre-day. Pre -day. Yeah. That will be, I think it will be a good pre-day. I was really pleased with last year's MCT pre-day, which was great. Yeah, the 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 one that I attended too, yeah. despite the fact that I suck at golf. <laughs> that made it so much funnier. I know. I mean, I I can strike the ball very very hard, and I can you get can. it to go very very far. Just not necessarily entirely In the right direction. No. All muscle, no brain. Quiet. I'm here. What you're yeah, thinking? Yeah, but uh, I think it was Harry Warden who said that famous golfer uh, and you have heard this quote previously give me a hand uh, give me a man with large hands and large feet and no brain and i'll give you a golfer there you go <laughs> cool so okay i am very very curious there came out a small toy oh that i don't know what i'm supposed to think about surface golf where do we stand on the Surface Go? I've been struggling not to buy one. <laughs> that is uh, an endorsement, I'd say. Yeah, but but I'm I'm still, and I'm again I'm always getting teased for this. I'm still quite pleased with my Surface Three. Yeah, which is I, basically I agree the completely. same form factor, so the small one, the yep. previous small one. But I think this makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we need to look at it first of all from a US perspective. Okay. Because this surface is introduced as a low budget option. Uh huh. And to strike against the, the uh, Google Chromebooks and stuff yeah. like that. Right. And the recommended price for the lower end Surface Go is $400. Okay. But that's without keyboard, without pen. And with four gigs of RAM, 64 gigs of um, eMMC storage. Uh -huh. Other than that, it's, it's the same device. What kind of CPU? Uh, an Intel Pentium Gold. A what now? Exactly. It's, it's, it doesn't ex exist in any, uh, any other device yet. So it's kind of a underclocked core CPU. Oh. And that, if you look at the reviews that's been out, it's... And I haven't seen a single review of the lower-end Surface Go yet. I've only seen reviews of the SKU that will probably sell the most. So the 8 gigs of RAM, 128 SSD storage. Right, right. But that's still considered workable but slow. So the lower end one will probably struggle struggle a bit, but that's also aimed towards again, if you look at it from a US perspective, because especially Swedish school children are spoiled. Okay. Most like Kate. K-12 students in Sweden gets now gets a device of their own. Yeah. From from preschool and up. Yeah. And they usually get an iPad. That's that's the most common device today. Yeah. More and more Chromebooks are coming. We see a few using Windows devices, but that's usually in the in the higher grades. So mm -hmm. many many get an iPad, mm -hmm. which is still considered a fairly expensive device. Yes. So this device is aimed at markets the, the lower end one is aimed towards markets where price is important in a totally different way than it is in sweden mm -hmm. not saying that price isn't important in sweden as well but we are not as sensitive to price all right as many other markets right. are um, i think that the big downside of the surface go 
is the battery life. Nine hours. Yeah, and very few reviewers have been close to that. Really? Um, most of them are claiming four to six hours. And compare that to an iPad, which is basically the same price. Uh-uh. Not good. Not good. So that's that's a bit of a shame. Question. Would you say that this is a content creation device or content consuming device? Consuming. You, you can't create. You, you can write on it. Apparently, the keyboard is good as long as you don't have two big hands. Right. Um, apparently, it's 84% of a full-size keyboard on a 10-inch screen. So mm -hmm. that's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you should consume content as I see it. So, so I like it. I want one. The things I like is that the screen is great. Absolutely great. You have multi-touch. You have inking support. High resolution. A great screen. You have a Windows Hello camera. Ooh. Which at this price point is good. It is. You have a great keyboard. But then again, remember, yeah, the lower SKU of the Go is $400. Next one is $150 up. Add to that... A hundred bucks for the keyboard. A hundred bucks for the keyboard. Yes. At least. And, and at that point, you're up in a fairly expensive device again. Yeah, you are. But compare that to a Surface Pro. Right. And it's still a cheaper device. It is. Would you say that it would be a good secondary device? Yeah. And that's what all the reviewers claim. Uh, it's a secondary device. It should be looked at as a secondary device or a really low-end device. Have you read about the weight of this thing? Yeah, it's nothing. Half a kilo. Yep. Without, without keyboard. keyboard. Yeah, yeah. 770 grams with a keyboard. That is very, very light. I would probably love to have one of these as a secondary device for me as a speaker. Because when my laptop dies, for some reason, just whipping one of these guys out and yep. plugging in, that would be interesting. But then again, it is kind of on the fence of, of a price slightly too expensive i'd say at this moment but maybe that's going to change let's yeah. let's remember that the whole surface line is pretty much premium too it is not a cheap thing yep so looking at it it's a light device it's a small device i'm disappointed with the battery life because that's the thing preventing me from buying one i could use my now three years old Surface 3, which has the same or better battery life. Because I, I would use it, like you said, as a backup device, mm. as a reading device, mm. as a note-taking device. Um, the thing that still makes me want it is the better keyboard, the high-resolution screen. Right, and the whole Hello Cam. Well, and the, yeah, I, I like, it, I like it, but it, it's not... It's not it's not a selling point. No, it's a nice to have, but not a, a need to have in that yeah. case. Uh, but I do believe that this will be great for education and for the famous first-line workers, which no one has ever seen. <laughs> um, and I think it, it makes sense to add it to the lineup. Right. I... I'm waiting because they, they will release an, an LTE one. Yep, coming out soon. Yep. And if they are able to get the performance in the ARM chips up, mm. which currently doesn't look like they will be getting. Really? A, a bit. Yeah, they, they've done the first reviews of the Snapdragon 850 and it doesn't look too promising. Of course, a performance increase, but not at the levels they were promising. But I would rather, if I were to get a secondary device, uh, which would would make it a third device. <laughs> or a fourth in your case. Yeah, I don't even know the number of devices I'm logging around. I'm kind of surprised that your, your biceps are not bigger than they are, considering the amount of stuff that you lug around. I have wheels on my biceps. <laughs> oh, cool. So <laughs> wheels on your biceps. <laughs> wheels there we on go my for bicep. the name of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would rather go for the HP Envy X2, yeah. even though the yeah. performance of that apparently is... <laughs> Subpar? Yeah, because I would use it as a secondary device. Yeah, yeah. I would need it to write on. True. 
and I would rather have 20 hours of battery life and crap performance than okay performance and four hours of battery life. So just to toss a, a log into this fire, would you, given a choice between one of the, the Surface Ghosts and an iPad as a secondary unit or a note-taking device, it, leave aside your, your yeah, opinion yeah, of yeah. Apple and stuff like that, would it be a viable uh, secondary device in your case, would you think? Yeah. If I can get a keyboard that's as good as my Surface Keyboard for an iPad. Right. So it, it's... Pretty much the keyboard. Yeah, in, in that case, it would be the keyboard because okay. I, I'll get one note on the iPad. I would yep. get one drive. I would get every, everything. Um, it would be hard to buy an iPad. Sure, I, I, <laughs> but, but I get it. Yeah, uh, just looking just at looking at what I'm searching for in a secondary device, mm. giving the the, op, the the choice between a Surface Go and an iPad, if I could get the same performance when it comes to keyboard. Yeah, today I would choose the iPad. Probably the iPad. Um, looking at it from an education point of view, that's hard. I, I we, we shouldn't get into that. Let let's change the subject. I think that would be good because otherwise we're not going to be able to hold the sixty sixty minute. <laughs> we are close well, to we're breaking that. Anyway, weeks. So, uh, what's new in data? What's new in data? What is not new in data? Well, they um, out of spite, I think the uh, Power BI product team decided that since I had just completed my Pluralsight course, they had to change pretty much everything in order to break my Pluralsight course. <laughs> and I'm okay with that because the changes they have made, oh boy, it is so nice. So, a quick recap. Up until very recently, when you created an app workspace to collaborate with others and work and create an app, which is basically a collection of, of reports and dashboards and, and data sets and what have you to, to give to um, your, your users, you got kind of stuck in a bit of a conundrum because the app workspace was based on an Office 365 group, which means that you have a specific Office 365 group that you um, put people in. Yep. Right. You cannot use an Azure security group to give privileges to this Office 365 group. But when you had created the app, you used an Azure security group to handle access to that app. And why did we have this very, very strange limitation? We just basically tore our hair out it was stupid and one has to ask the question why do i have to get for free and without you having any choice in the matter a office 365 group created just because i in power bi created an app workspace yeah because that was basically the, the way things were built along comes the new update which brings a preview in Power BI and a new way of creating app workspaces. You do no longer need an Office 365 group. And the necessity for having Office 365 groups uh, when it comes to privileges, it just goes out the window. Everything you need to do is controlled via either Azure security groups, yep. Office 365 groups, or distribution groups. You can choose. Hmm. You're no longer limited to one or the other, depending on what you want to do. Yep. The good thing here is that I no longer are going to get up on the Office 365 admins radar when I start to create admin, um, app app groups. The, the app groups, sorry about that. The Office 365 groups. When I start to create the app workspaces. Because when I started to do app workspaces... I automatically created a gazillion Office 365 groups, which is going to prompt uh, a query if your Office 365 admin is a nice guy and a rant <laughs> if he is not. You don't need that anymore. So the good thing with having no Office 365 groups is that I have more control over things. Yep. I have more granular control over privileges. The bad thing is... I no longer have the ability to set 
prefix and stuff like that on naming conventions that I can do with an Office 365 group because it is no longer an Office 365 group. Did you follow? Yeah, but you are able to implement naming conventions for Azure AD security groups as well. Yes, but this is not an AD security group. This is um, something inside of Power BI. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I use an, an AD security group for access and privileges. That's a whole ah, different okay. kettle of fish. Yep, yep. I'm following. Good point. Yep. But so you, have, you have groups in Power BI to create your workspace. That would be the app workspace. The app workspace. Yes. And then the you have an Office uh, or uh, Azure AD security group to control access to that one. Yes. Yep. And yep. these days it's the same, or you can use the same mechanism for access to the app workspace and the app itself. Yep. Previously you had two different ways. Yep. So that was a, a huge change. And it also means that they have finally decided that content packs, which has been kind of obsolete for quite some time, is going to be deprecated, is going to go away. So never ever do any more content packs. We are moving towards the new app workspace yep. experience. And that is a good thing. That's a good thing. We also have changes in the latest August updates. You finally can print a report through export to PDF. One of the most asked for uh, things in Power BI is how do I print my Power BI report? Yep. And it, it's kind of the weird since the whole idea is not to have a static report, <laughs> but people still want a static report. Yep. So now you can export it to PDF. And we have a Python integration. That's interesting. It is very interesting. It is, of course, geared towards statistical analysis. Yep. Just as you can run R inside Power BI to use R for visuals and, and statistical anal analysis, you can do the same in Python. Python is very limited at the moment, as it is inside of, of SQL Server, but we're going to get there. Yep. And that's just a few of the things that have come out and is continuing to come out. There's so much cool stuff being done in, in Power BI. Great. Yep. So what's in store for the future? Do we have any ideas what we're going to do this? No, this autumn is going to be so quiet. Yeah, because no one will see us at the office. No. For six months straight. No. But we won't be quiet where we are. No. <laughs> no, we won't. Um, we, we were messing around with our schedules and Last our very, week. very small to-do list. Yeah. And I joked about it with our colleagues that we will, one of us will always be abroad. Yeah, pretty much. So we will actually be... Anywhere but here. Yeah. We have... Lots of user groups to speak at. We have conferences. We have conferences to attend. Yep. Uh, we'll be traveling around our region in Sweden doing what we do. Mm -hmm. More architectural work and, and pre-sale stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for me, the, the main things this autumn or fall, depending on where in the world you're listening. Point. Um I'll be going to CloudCamp in Dublin. Nice. In October. That will be great. Catching up with a great group of speakers. Mm -hmm. um, really looking forward to that conference. We'll be attending Ignite, which we'll dive deeper into in a couple of minutes. Yep. Um, I'll be spending quite a lot of time in the UK. Yes. Uh, visiting a number of user groups mm -hmm. uh, and conferences. We'll, I'll be doing a pre-conf at Tech Days in Sweden That's in October. Cool. Mm -hmm. That will be awesome. And we are both attending the MCT Summit in Cologne. We are. And we're we're both speaking at the... No, you're not speaking at, at uh, Tech Days, are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I am. I, am. I have a session as well. You have a session as well. Yep. Good. So pre-conf and session. Pre-conf and session. I have a session. And then we hop on a plane to go to Cologne and... Deliver two more sessions each, each, yeah, in in Cologne. That's gonna that's gonna be cool. Yeah, we're 
going to go to Ignite. I'm going to go to Summit. Yep. I am also going to go to the UK. Yep. I'm going to hop on the uh, the Madhouse bus <laughs> for the sequel Relay. Five cities, five days. I'm going to be part of two two of them, Birmingham and, and Reading. Yep. And I am going to Ghent in Belgium for the data mines, which is going to be awesome. And I have a mentor, oh. uh, Ron Amusen. He is going to talk about uh, AI inside of SQL Server. Cool. Yes, it's going to be... I, I have a mentee. Mentee. Yes, I'm mentoring him. Yeah. That's the right way. <laughs> and he, he's, he's not spoken very much, or actually he hasn't spoken at all, but the things he's shown me is awesome. So... I'm very That's much great. looking forward to the newcomer track at uh, that conference. Yep. And of course, we have. Uh, I'm going to go to Gothenburg, uh, the UK, the US. Yep. We're going to be everywhere. Yep. We'll also be hosting a meetup for our own user group. Yep. In in Linköping later on. Stay tuned for that. Mm -hmm. We'll be doing a lot of podcasting. And oh boy. <laughs> Um, so let's do that first. We, we'll, of course, be doing our weekly episodes mm -hmm. of Need Deep in Tech. Or as weekly as we can make them. <laughs> yeah. We'll do our best. Yep. Uh, we will be doing a pre-Ignite special podcast. Yep. So running up to Ignite, we'll be doing short podcasts on important topics for first-time attendees, more than first-time attendees. Yep. What to pack, what not to pack. What to wear. What to wear. What to do, what, what not, not to, to do. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Um, so a, a bit of a... What was the name of that show they did? Um, pre, the pre-Ignite show that uh, Ricky and Rick and um, Joey Snow did. I Ignite Countdown. Right. Yeah. So we'll be doing our own version of that. Mm. We'll also be doing some other specials. So a lot of interviews. Yes. Upcoming. Both done while we are away at our different conferences and user groups but also during ignite of course and we'll also be doing podcasts that are connected in one way or another to webcasts or blog posts that we are doing yep in in short we're going to produce a lot more content yeah and things are going to be changing we're going to consolidate our blogs and Pretty much going forward, we're going to put everything underneath the Knee Deep in Tech umbrella. Yeah. Which is a huge change. Yeah. And it's going to take some time. But I think uh, I, I was skeptical at first, but Simon did his uh, salesman pitch. Yeah. And I'm uh, now I'm... I'm I proposed to you. You can say it. Yeah. <laughs> he, he did. And I accepted. So we are moving in together. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> under the same blog. Under the same roof. <laughs> True. So, we have so much to do, mm. um, but it will be fun. Yeah. it's. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to this autumn, actually. Yeah, we're, we're meeting so many people. And what I enjoy now is that I'm actually are able to meet a lot of people that I interact with over Twitter and yep. blogs yep. and yep. read about and so on, which is truly rewarding. And I get to see a lot. Um, so lots of travels to the UK, but I get to see new towns, new venues, get a lot of inspiration. That's very good stuff. Yeah. Cool. So should we just shut it? <laughs> I think that is a good thing. We are now at 50 minutes. Yeah. I think, I think that, that sounds good. We have a lot more to share. We haven't looked at Intune. We haven't looked at Windows. We haven't looked at Windows Server. No. We haven't looked at the financial reports on Microsoft. No. Um, we haven't talked about SQL. Can I go home now? <laughs> but so, no. It, it, I, 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 want, I want you to talk about one more thing before we end this show. Okay. In our show notes, you have written Surface Laptop Cleaning. I have. Please. Yes. <laughs> right. So... The last topic of the day. I got a shiny new Surface laptop a couple of months ago. It's still shiny under uh, under all your stickers. It is shiny under all my stickers. It is a great computer. I'm super happy with yep. it. It has just been rock solid. 
the keyboard and the um, the wrist guards or the the, the wrist um, what do you call it? The the uh, where you put your wrists, <laughs> the wrist part, <laughs> the wrist part of yep, the keyboard <laughs> is Alcantara. It is smooth. It is warm to the touch. It is great, but it is dirty, dirty as heck, and nothing so far that I've thrown at it can actually clean it. And I've tried some pretty serious chemicals. So I'm kind of concerned, actually, because this started out as light gray. It is now grayish brown. And I'm not entirely okay with that. But I have not yet found a way to deep clean or actually clean the damn thing at all. There there must be instructions for doing that somewhere yes and the extraction the, the the instructions say use a bit of hot water maybe some soap and that should take care of it and that's not the case you should probably leave it at someone that's used to clean cars because alcantara is a common material i am you, you are <laughs> yes that that has been one of my hobbies for some years to do detailing on cars but have you had alcantara in any of your cars i have not had alcantara in in any of my cars but i have done my my homework and i've read up on alcantara and i have specific interior cleaning hmm. solutions and they won't touch this it doesn't work so far hmm. i'm going to see if i can find some high foam yeah. uh, compound instead of low foam and i think i'm going to go have to go go to town on this and actually work up some serious lather and maybe not use cotton gloves anymore just beat the heck about it out of it and, and see <laughs> if that, that works and on that cliffhanger <laughs> on that dirty bombshell it is time to end Thank you very much for listening. And we are going to be back just as soon as we can, hopefully in a week or so. Yep. We'll do do our best. Take care. Bye. Bye.